hysteria, miseducation, racism. Nobody understands how to cough right. It's so hot right now. Let's go to China and shoot a video. What the hell are you talking Dude, about? Dude, let's go. Everyone's going the other way. I think you need to pump the brakes on. Tickets are going to be so cheap, my bro. They're so cheap. hysteria absolutely and if you have not seen uh david ike uh his um interview is pretty recent uh his name is spelled i-c-k-e uh go on youtube uh, look up david ike at i-c-k-e the truth behind the coronavirus pandemic that will blow your mind it will absolutely blow your mind uh, he connects a lot of dots in this interview. And Unless you're a libtard that just wants to hold on to the hysteria and cause people to freak out and buy all the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, this week we're going to turn over a new leaf and talk about guns. Yeah, I know, right? Because this is supposed to be a... Like guns, so we're going to talk about It's supposed to be a shooting podcast. The last two uh, podcasts... I've been shooting a bull. It's been... Okay, coronavirus. What was before we turn the recorder on here? <clears throat> um, we're talking about. I don't know. Maybe somebody's already done it. I'm sure they have. I didn't look it up. Seven millimeter Creedmoor. Seven oh eight's already out there. Yeah, but hey, here's the thing about the seven millimeter Creedmoor. There are literally tons of six five Creed Hornady brass fall into the grounds at shooting ranges everywhere. You can pick it up. It's about as prolific now as 308 almost. Well, yeah, but 308's out there too in mass, mass quantities, and you can make 708 brass from that very, very easy. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if it's, it would be maybe a little bit better to um, expand the 6.5, uh, one half millimeter. I think, I, now see, I, I don't know too much about this because I don't do these wildcat cartridges where you have to. We don't do shorter langers. Shorter langers, but. Uh, just thinking out loud here, I think it's normally better if you can, you know, neck something down than to neck something up. I know you can neck things up, but I mean, it's obviously going to stretch, and you could probably wind up with split necks easier. I could be wrong. I'm just thinking out loud here, because like I said, we don't do these charter langers, so that is well, not yeah. my area of expertise. Well, I was just thinking, but, you know, what got me on that was, you know, some of these new 7mm bullets that... 197 grain Sierra match can. Yeah, they also have like a 195 extreme outer limits. Or th- yeah, that is. And one I think, is that Burger's bullet? It is a Burger. Yeah. yeah, and then the Sierra is the 197. Uh, so there's there's some really good 7mm bullets, and we're seeing them uh, you know, perform well in, in uh, rim mags. And uh, I got a hand loading client <coughs> in South Africa. Um, gosh, he just about pays a light bill these days. <laughs> That's plenty of money, obviously. So, seven millimeter by sixty Guanza GW Guaza GWAZA. 
Um. He says this thing is a uh, eight by sixty-eight. Uh, neck down. I wouldn't have thought you'd lose that much case length, but I guess you do. It's like I say, we don't do these things. I see. I, I sit back and watch them. You know. Yeah, it's fun to watch. It's like drag racing. It's fun to watch, but I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not all the time. But yeah, Fireform brass from eight by sixty-eight, seven millimeter Guaza. That's what everybody's gonna want now. No, it didn't. Um, not in these parts because I don't know where you're even going to buy much 8x68 brass. They have different things available in other parts of the world. Um, no, I'm dead serious. A, a 7mm Creedmoor with a barrel twist fast enough to stabilize a 195. That'd probably be what, a 17, 17.5, somewhere in there? Maybe, yeah. I wonder how fast you could get that. Oh, I, I, out of a Creed, a seven millimeter Creedmoor, I would guess you could get a 197 to around 2500, and that's about it. Going to be it. That's all you need, though. It's true. It's true. I, I I tell people, I had a 308 I built with a uh, eight twist, or was that a nine? It was a nine twist, nine, yeah. uh, Douglas barrel, and uh, I got it so I could run 208 ELDs and 225 ELDs, and I had the 225 ELDs. Going at right at about 2280, 2300 feet a second, and they're reaching a thousand yards pretty much the same time as a Creedmoor shooting a 140 going 2800 is. I mean, and then after a thousand yards, the the 225 kind of pulls away because the BC on it is just so high. Uh, but you know, that's the kind of the same principle there. If you've got a, a BC like that 197, which I didn't actually look that up, I know it's high. What is it? Ah, uh, I didn't look at a beater, but I will here in a moment. Hey, I'm I'm sure it's it's up in the 700s, pretty good. G1, it ought to be anyway. If it's not going to be <laughs> worth spitting on, if it doesn't, it, it should. I'm going to guess the 197 probably has upper 700s somewhere in that region. Yeah. But um, you know the 225 ELD uh, 30 cal had a 777 G1, and it was just a missile. I, I mean, people think that that super slow muzzle velocity, comparatively super slow, like 2300, is a problem. But if I recall, that load didn't actually go subsonic until close to a mile. It was it was like 1700 yards before it went subsonic at I that speed. Run the numbers on that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I mean, I I can run that them. That was a 225. 225 ELD. That's right. Yeah. Let's let's just make sure we put out the. Yeah, let me, let me check that real quick. And what was the velocity you got out of that thing? Uh, it was um, 2,300. Seems to be right. So, I mean, yeah, if you have a twist to stabilize a heavy bullet, I mean, you don't have to start it out terribly fast. Now, it's, uh, for my numbers here, just past 1,000. No, that's that's incorrect. What did I do wrong then? Um, I will show you here in just a second. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, something you've messed something up in the calculator there. It's like Barney told Andy. Yeah, I got subsonic here at uh, about fifteen fifty. So that's pretty good. It that's pretty darn good for a muzzle velocity of twenty three hundred, going sub at uh, at uh, actually. Let me look at that again. It's 1,600. 
1,600 yards going sub is... What's the speed there? 2,300. I mean, what's you calling sub? Sonic. Uh, I have the marked sound barrier crossing. Oh, I got you. Okay. So I didn't actually have to do any fancy math. And you put 2,300? 2,300. You've been getting your calculator off. I've been getting my calculator Yeah, something's wrong with that, whatever you're using. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I know what I'm doing. Here it is. This is around here is what we have. See? What it happened was... No, uh, I think I had the uh, temperature and elevation off. You know what I need is, I need a... Kestrel! You no, need a Kestrel! No, buy no cheap Kestrel. Tell me barometric pressure. Mensor 6000. Look it up. Yeah, actually, I was wrong because I didn't have my altitude put in at 2700. It's it's um, 1700 yards subsonic. Which, it, it, I, that's what I had remembered before I was right. It, it's dead on 1700. Um going sub, at least where we're at. If you're at sea level, it's going to be closer to 1,600. <clears throat> but uh, it's 1,700 here, which we, it was incredible. And uh, actually, I've, I've kind of been wanting to build another 308 to, to do that exact load. And by the way, at 100 yards, that 225, I mean, it was cutting holes. I mean, it wasn't, you know... Uh, uh, in, it shoots a pretty high arc. Right, it's a very high arc, but it's, you know, it's accurate. Sure. Sorry about that. Mensor 6000 pocket barometric pressure. Oh, yeah, people just... And you see, I see this all the time at matches that I go to. You, you arrive, and, you know, you got three or four different guys, and they're swinging their kestrels around on a rope, and they're not agreeing with each other. And they're close. They're all close to each other, and they're all close to the actual number. But the fact of the matter is, is the chart that I've made the day before is just as close, or closer. I, I mean, all you got to do is look at what the conditions are going to be. You can even do it two or three days out. It doesn't have to be the day before. You just got to get the temperature within about 10 degrees, and you got to get your elevation within about 500 feet. I don't think and you have to <coughs> swing the mensal around on a rope, though. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Uh, it does say to uh, call for a quote on the price. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, but we looked it up before. It was like twenty three hundred dollars, wasn't it? Yeah, and it exists because there's, there's a, market a market for it. it, and there's a market for it because that little Kestrel meter is not as accurate. If you're going to do this close enough, fine. But you can uh, elevation and temperature are also close enough. Exactly. You get your elevation uh, to, like I said, within <coughs> five hundred feet, and you get your temperature to within ten degrees. You're going to have an accurate chart. That's that's the bottom line, Miss Licker. Oh, is that it? Is that what it is? That's what it is. Is that what it is? Because I am not sure. I uh, would better ask. So then, I said, look, I don't want to hear all this. And my feet hurt. I said, give me the bottom line. And she said, bottom line, Miss Liggins, if you don't straighten. <laughs> That's the bottom line. That's right. Um. So there's this uh, movie called Finding Ammo, isn't it? What? Nemo was Nemo. Finding <laughs> ammo. Can't find the ammo. I'm on. Uh, you got ammo on the brain because Midway's out of like 22s and everything. Oh, they got some. Well, well, yeah, but they're gouging for bullet. it. Yeah. Um, you got ammo on the brain because no, I mean, coronavirus. My corona. Um. You know, people ought to be careful with this. You know, mandated quarantine. I mean, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't go out. You know, because of the mandated quarantine. What do you think they might do? I they might do this. Well. I feel like the police is getting a little more aggressive, 
serving these search warrants and they need to be. The other day, the lady next door, she thought that was the exterminator at her door. The man knocked on the door and said, I'm here to kill y'all roaches. And next thing she knew, it was concussion grenades going off in her house. Everybody up in there hit the floor. And she ain't even did nothing wrong. They had the wrong address. It was supposed to be over at my house. <laughs> That's why I wouldn't go out in these uh, mandated quarantine zones. By the way, my blood burdened because there is no constitutional provision to tell people they have to stay in their house. This is completely unconstitutional. They have no grounds to do it. I, I mean, there is, even in the name of public safety, is just an excuse to get more government control, and it's, it's really a bad bad idea and there is like I said I'll say it again there is no constitutional provision that allows the government to tell people that they have to stay in their homes it's not allowed period so th yeah, I mean, this is I, something that is if, if there was a virus that was absolutely deadly well no I disagree I don't care if it kills 50 75 percent of the people that contract it the government has no business telling people what they do. If it's your own choice to stay in your home because you really think it's something serious and you want to quarantine yourself, that's your own prerogative. But it is not the government's business at any point to tell people they must stay in their homes. It's not their business. It's not their job. And it's not constitutional. Well, you know, I think that is probably true. That is the bottom line. So there's no cheap 22 on Midway now. They had had the Remington Thunderbolt. For like three cents a round mm -hmm. for quite a while. And people says, oh, they're sold out, they're sold out. Let me tell you, folks, they are not sold out. Let me tell you how this works, just so you know. We know how the system works. <clears throat> yeah, we know how it works. Yeah, we do. This is what Michael Douglas on uh, Falling Down. Yeah. knew how the system works. We ought to put some of his quotes in. <laughs> that That'd be good, but this is the way the system works. They have plenty of Thunderbolt left. We know this because under the, the heading on their website, it does not say out of stock. It says temporarily unavailable. What they've done is they've taken it off the shelf. That way they can push some of their more expensive ammo lines, like the CCI uh, mini mags and stingers and velocitors and, and uh, some of the more expensive ammo that costs north of 10 cents a shot, which is not... What norm, not normally what people will buy of uh, 22 long rifle ammo. I mean, people will typically hoard Thunderbolt, Remington Gold, anything they can get for below six or seven cents a shot. And even though they still have plenty of this left, they're they're going to try to sell the more expensive yeah, well, stuff that's not a, selling as well. Right. There's a feeding frenzy out there. They're going to put the brakes on, keep their Remington um, Thunderbolt. Right. Remington opened up another factory, this was, I believe, about two years ago, dedicated just to making 22 long rifle ammo because the demand was so high. They have made so much 22 ammo that all these companies have stocked up on it, all these people have stocked up on it, and, and it's just, they're choked. It was selling the, for three cents a shot. Exactly. There, there's so I was much a kid of it. the last time I saw Exactly. Exactly. I, I think... You know, probably the last time it was that cheap regularly was back in the 70s or so. Yeah. I, I mean, so there is so much 22 ammo out there, it's not even funny. Remington opened up that factory just to, to making the uh, 22 ammo. 
they're not out of stock. They're just trying to sell more expensive ammo to the sheeple who think they need to stock up because this is the pandemic of 1918 that's going to wipe out, you know, 7% of the people that get it. It's not. <laughs> I, I highly doubt, yeah. Uh, well, there's already the data is already in of the people that have got it and recovered versus the people who have got it and died. It's it, the death rate is about two percent. Well, they're inflating the seriousness of it badly. Here's what happened. It was on even Tucker Carlson. He had talking to somebody up there at a hospital in New York. They said, "Oh yes, we bought forty." Four forty-five refrig- uh, reefer units, eighteen-wheel reefer units. I can't believe Tucker fed into this, but yeah, he bought that hook line. He, he really did. That was di- that was a bummer just to see Tucker really feed was. into that. Let me tell you all why that was a bald-faced lie, and, and this is just discernment, folks. You've got to have discernment, or you need to find someone who does have and stick kind of close to them. Okay. All right. You don't buy reefer trailers. You lease them. One at a time as you need them. $80,000 a piece, aren't they? Some of them, yes. And that would have been millions of dollars worth of stuff. They're going to buy them and park them where? Exactly. Parking places are are worth more in New York City than 10 acres of lush green grassland are down here. That's right. So you 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 got a place to drop 45 truck trailers? No, you don't. And you might have them one at a time, say the other 44 or somewhere else. No, they're not. This thing is being blown out of proportion and lied about continually. And here, this guy, it was funny. He went up there to that main hospital where all these people are supposed to be coming in there, you know, on stretchers and ambulance after ambulance. And he was at the emergency room entrance. And he's down out there in the street. He said, where's the ambulances? There's this guy standing there. Doing uh, uh, hickory smoke barbecue, on a street <laughs> vendor, and it's on. Look it up; it's on YouTube, and it's, you know it's a real, it's totally legit. And he says they're letting you stand right here and cook like this. He said, yeah, I always do. He said, but uh, aren't the ambulances coming in here at any point? What point? Is one right after another? <laughs> and the guy said, no, no, no they're not. <clears throat> so, um, oh, and NBC News. Uh, they couldn't find any footage that looked bad enough in the New York hospital. So where did they go get some footage and pretend that it was from New York? Italy. Oh, boy. Well, they did. I, they caught them on that earlier today. So <clears throat> the I didn't even hear about that. Yeah. But I am not surprised. The fake news is so desperate to crash our economy. They're so desperate to, to just get Americans fearful that... Nothing surprises me anymore as far as, as what they'll do to to cause fear in the sheeple. Exactly. And I, uh, and I do say the sheeple. I, I am disappointed that I have friends that have fed into this and have just completely uh, just are in lockstep with the media as far as, as spreading this, uh, you know, hoax that... All these people are just going to die from this. Yes, this is a bad thing. Is the coronavirus real? Yes, it is. Have we been through stuff that's just as bad? Yes, we've been through H1N1. We've been through SARS. I mean, this stuff is is not new. Yeah. And we're acting like it's the Black Plague. Give me a break. I'll tell you something else they're going to be doing. And mark my words here, folks. This is going to be going on. Any prominent celebrity who dies of 
tripping over their own shoelaces and hitting their head on the banister, you know what they died of? Coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. You know, no matter what it is, it's going to be a coronavirus death. You know, and that's what they're going to start. And because the more well-known people you can start seeing, oh, no, they died, that one died, this one died, and then this one's got it, and that one's got it, and on and on, the more plausible it all seems. All right. So we already talked about what Midway and these other places are doing. They're sitting on their Thunderbolts. Which is a bummer because that little Ruger Mark Two, Mark Mark One pistol. Yeah, it, it runs in Thunderbolts, great. That's like mother's milk to that little gun. Shoots tight, and runs perfect. Fortunately, we're not out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. no, we didn't buy any after the latest. No bunch of hoarding. I, I think when we hoarded was like Obama's second term. Well, we were like, oh boy. We we have a we had an impediment. Hoarding anything additional this time around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that impediment was we didn't have any space. <laughs> We'd have to make an addition to store all the 22 ammo. Uh, all right, so uh, a friend of ours, uh, John Hartman, is missing a pair of Vortex binoculars. Uh, if you would check your gear from if you attended our last uh, right, I mean it's, it's understandable. I've seen it happen so many times. People I've about done it myself. Yeah, picked up somebody else's. Exactly, it can happen. So there's no need to feel ashamed or anything like that. Just check your gear. You a, lo- a lot of people, a lot of people have like range bags that they leave in a vehicle and they don't even check them until next time they go out and shoot. So you may have it in your bag just completely accidentally. And uh, if you do, check your range bag for some Vortex binoculars, and um, we'll get them back to the rightful owner. Right. Uh, Reloader 26 powder for 6.5 Creed. Our uh, friend and competition shooter, Dr. Jerry Reeves, uh, was picking some of that up today. Asked, did we need any? And we didn't. But uh, I had not considered using that powder for the Creed more, but... Did a little quick research online and Reloader 26 at I think it's about 48 grains compressed is, is uh, doing a great job. Um, and actually getting some, uh, some of those guys are claiming over 3,000 feet per second of a 143 ELDS wow. in a 26 inch barrel. Wow. That's a uh, stroking. And that's that's pretty much 284, 65284. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if somebody brought a 65284 and they were running a 140 at 3,000, I would not think that that was a weak load. I think that about a standard load. Very steppy, yeah. Well, not steppy, but a standard, you know, at least. Well, I mean, if you look at Hodgins' data there. Well, Hodgins' data screwed up sometimes. They got the 6547, which I shot for quite a while. They've got that thing anemic. I mean, you can look. I think their their best velocity with a 140 was like uh, 2680, 2700. I mean, it, a 6.547 is everything that a Creedmoor is. So this new barrel is Douglas you got, and it's 243. And yes. I'm looking at, uh, we, we posted this on Instagram, and it, it feeds over to our Facebook. Cold bore shot, and just about a sixteenth of an inch left of it. The next three shots through the same hole in the paper at 100. Right. And then another target. That is a caliber-sized hole. It's a caliber size. You can tell it's yeah. been punched through more than once, though, because... It's, a, it's, a, it's not ragged, but it's, you know... Uh, I mean, it's a caliber-sized hole. Right. It doesn't have any, <laughs> doesn't have any uh, paper fringes on it where the bullets... Right. 
Yeah. Douglas barrels are really, really underrated. I mean, we've we've got. Let's see. We got one, two, three. This this one that we're talking about makes four that we we have. They shoot great. All of them are remarkable. They're not just you know some of them are okay. They're all remarkable. And we're not sponsored by Douglas, although I know you'd like to. I would love to be sponsored. Hey, if anybody, Stan, if you hear this, Stan up there at Douglas, if you hear this, I'd love to be sponsored. He's not listening to this. Sitting at home sipping whiskey and smoking a cigar. He is. Good for him. But I mean. Their their barrels are so underrated, it's it's really sad because I mean these barrels are every bit as good the as any other barrel that, that I've ever had. They're looked down on by some people as they never really got into the PRS the PRS uh, giving out barrels hand over fist, and uh, but, but you know if you need a barrel quick, Douglas is your place because you don't have to wait for six or eight months to get a daggone barrel. Right. And you know, if, While the company you're if waiting to, six or eight months to get a better barrel were actually the case, and you actually were getting a better barrel, I would wait six or eight months. But you're not getting a better barrel, and especially where Douglas will make you a custom contour, any contour you could imagine, they can make you. They have a machine that can replicate. They were actually showing me when I took the tour up there that uh, a guy had sent in a barrel that uh, had some rust pits in it that had been cleaned. And they were showing how their machine is so precise that replicates it that it replicated the rust pits in the barrel. <laughs> they I didn't mean, intend to do right, that, though, right? But, you know, if you send them a barrel to replicate, it will replicate that barrel perfectly, even if it has a rust pit in it. So, I mean, they can make any barrel that you want, any contour that you want, and they're going to have it to you, odds are, within two weeks. That's been uh, my that, experience. That's the good part is you don't have to wait. They're a little bit more money, but it's worth it in the end. They are. Uh, uh, some people uh, think that $380 for a barrel is getting on up there, and I agree it is. That's that's what my barrels cost that I have just recently bought, but I had, I had them do every option, every quality control that they could possibly do to them uh, on those. But, uh, I mean, if you, if you look at it, the competitors that are going to be equal to Douglas as far as accuracy, you know, I would say Krieger, Hawk Hill, Bartline, those are the ones uh, that are going to be equal to Douglas as far as accuracy. Schneider's those are, Ethereum. yeah, well, Schneider's are real exper- uh, expensive, but uh, the three that I just mentioned there, uh, those are going to run you 350 to 360, and you know you're only going to pay about 30, 40 dollars more after shipping and everything for um, the Douglas. So I would just go ahead and get the Douglas because you're going to get it much faster. Yeah, you won't be disappointed. Um, and Michael Garnett did an outstanding job. Oh, yeah. That, that's the other thing. I I can't stress enough how important it is to have a good gunsmith do your work. You can have the best components in the world. You can have the best action, the best barrel, the best everything. And if you get you know somebody that's just rushing through it and they don't know what they're doing to put it together, you're not going to have an accurate gun. And right there, Darren. Right, you need to have somebody that uh, takes their time and does a good job, and uh, I can definitely recommend Michael Garnett with the Garnett Precision Arms. You can look them up on Facebook. Um, they are going to do you a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were going to talk about the use of binoculars on the range and target acquisition. I'm going to fill my pipe here. You cut loose on that while I do this. 
cut loose on what now? Use of binoculars on the range. Okay, so binoculars can be very, very helpful with acquiring targets, especially if uh, if you're new to the target acquisition thing on a on a new range. A pair of binoculars could do you a lot of good. Uh, once you get uh, better at target acquisition, you can actually do it pretty good just with your naked eye, you know, looking down range if you're good at following instructions. Um, we see a lot of people that, you know, are new to it and they're not um, quite as good with following the directions. Like if we say, if you look out there in the field towards the edge of the, uh, of the field there, almost towards the wood line, you're going to see a, a large white rock. From that rock go four o'clock about 50 yards and you're going to find your target. Some people, you can say something like that to them and they, they act like you just spoke to them in Chinese. Yeah. And, you know, if you're new to it, that's understandable. But uh, you, this is something that you need to practice, and you need to get good uh, at communicating with uh, wh whoever it might be that you're going to be in the field with. So, uh, But binoculars, especially for somebody that's new at the target acquisition, uh, could be a very, very good and helpful thing to have. But yes, just search the range ahead of time. And, <clears throat> you know, if you're out varmint hunting, you've always got binoculars. I mean, we've had people come to the match and say, can't find the targets, can't see the targets. We mark them as best we can, but look, folks, <clears throat> in a real-world throwdown kind of scenario, your targets are not going to be well marked. Marked, exactly. You need to get good at, uh, at finding a hidden target. And maybe not even a hidden target, but just one that doesn't have a neon sign pointed at it. I mean, in the real world, uh, there's going to be camouflage targets and stuff like that. Uh, at uh, one of the previous ranges we've been to, uh, we would set up a target that uh, we did actually paint camouflage. We painted it like black, green, and brown and uh, hit it like up against a stump or something like that. And uh, we would, you know, have a game, you know, with our clients. Sometimes we say, let's see how long it takes you. There is a hidden torso target somewhere out here on the range and you need to find it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, would, we would really see how long it took people to, to find it. It was really interesting. Some people just were kind of natural at it and uh, were able to, to find it very quickly, and then some people just, it was like it might as well have been invisible. So Yeah, um, and I've had folks say, well, you know, I'm sorry, I'm colorblind. That's, you know, not a huge disadvantage in a reality-based scenario. It's not. Well, I One know of the best groundhog <laughs> I was about to mention him. I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, he's colorblind, but I'll tell you what, he can see things that a lot of other people can't. He does. So, I, I mean, it's, it can be a disadvantage for sure, definitely not making light of that is just it's not as big of a disadvantage as some people will make it out to be exactly uh well we'll wrap here pretty quick i may mention uh the big bad galaxy 44 cb and the in the work truck yep today getting uh, ready for the boogaloo yeah got like four banks of 40 channels yeah with a 10k slider and uh, yeah, it'll do the job. Um, I think that's good, folks, to have a CB of some sort, even just a simple uh, citizens band radio. Um, you know, that's one uh, area of communication that, especially late at night, and we've talked about this in other podcasts. You can talk a lot farther than you might think. With right. Good antenna and everything. All right. Uh, we have room in the April 3-4 class. These classes are smaller. Um, Due to the coronavirus and people thinking that 
They're going to come down here and get the coronavirus. So. Well, some folks are just told they can't get off. That's the other thing. We're not. If, if you've had to cancel, we're not like mocking you. We understand a lot of people have kids that are out of school now, and they wouldn't have been, and they've had to make other arrangements. So it's not all people just no. worried about the virus. Some people just have had to cancel because they just got hamstrung. Exactly. We had two DC cops that would have been in this past weekend's class. So they got told they couldn't leave the city. Right. <clears throat> so anyway. Uh, we'll get through all this, folks. Uh, I know that we will. I think Trump called, uh, uh, what's that governor's name? Uh, Cuomo. Cuomo's bluff and brought a hospital ship in. Yeah. Now, now that's going to give him a real good count on how many bodies they're really coming up with. Exactly. You know, I'm sure that they were hoping he wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll find out. We'll see. Hey, you know what? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I bet I'm not. Um, so that's about going to be the wrap here. Uh, we're going to bump out with a song that you might be able to guess the name of. Um, and I know you guys have probably heard this. I need the name of the artist and the name, of course, of the song. And... Uh, you email me or Forrest, bangsteel at fastmail.com or forrestnewberry243 at icloud.com. You'll get $100 off an upcoming class. Just get in touch, let us know, and uh, we'll make sure you get the discount. What is the song? <laughs> Yes, I have some closing comments. Light my pipe. Uh, every gun law is an infringement of the Second Amendment. This quarantine stuff is so unconstitutional, by the way. It is just, there's no constitutional provision for it, and it's just as unconstitutional as all these gun laws that we sheeple are abiding by. So, I mean, I, I'm not even going to talk about the M134s or the Javelin missile or the RPG this time. You all know how I feel about that. I should be able to open carry it down Main Street and order it off of Amazon. But, well, there I went. I just went ahead and mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, our founders are rolling in their graves thinking, you know, and seeing how America has, has fallen as far as the laws that we comply with these days. Seemingly so, seemingly so. <clears throat> All right, folks. Well, appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you uh, next week. We'll either do Sunday night or Monday night about every week on these podcasts. And uh, stay in touch. Give us some feedback. Send in some questions if you'd like um, them answered as best we're able to. We'll be glad to address that. Have a good one.